just as I prepared and studied uh, for this. Not only that, it was originally supposed to be a two-day, okay, so think about that, and they said, we want you to make it a four-day. I'm like, okay, we'll go from two hours to four. So that's a lot more prep, by the way, and so hopefully uh, it will be enough to fill up four days, and I, I think it will. So, And it's interesting to me that there are this many people uh, that have signed up, and I'm really excited about it, that have signed up for a prayer seminar. Uh, and here's why. When you think of prayer, by the way, before I dig into this, everybody get a handout? Okay? If you did not get a handout, raise your hand, and John will get one to you. Okay. Is there handouts in the back? Sure. Okay, if you didn't get a handout, okay, here's the other thing. You will not get one of these every day, and so this is for the week. So please bring this with you. Do not lose it. If you do lose it, we might have a few extra copies, but hang on to this. So this is like, we'll just pick up where we left off tomorrow. Okay, is that clear? We want to try to save... Uh, some trees if possible. So, uh, don't forget that. Also, as far as just to go ahead and get out on the front end, uh, this is being recorded, so I want to make sure, uh, I don't know where this will be posted, but for your records, uh, if you're taking notes, uh, hopefully you'll have access to this uh, on a podcast in some way, shape, or form. Uh, Prayer by Keller. This book was mentioned, I think, in a book blurb last night. Um been very helpful, my preparation, and then also, there's a little book, and he did not uh, have these on the book table, but I'm going to mention this, it's called Enjoy Your Prayer Life by Michael Reeves, and this is what it looks like, it's like 35 pages, and it's one of the best things that I've ever read on prayer, you can get it on Amazon, it's like, I don't know, not very expensive, obviously, in a little book like this. Uh, they also have it uh, in an ebook if you like to read on your Kindle or whatever. This is incredible. Okay, I'm just going to say that for uh, from the very beginning. So these are my main two things that I'm kind of have really working from. I'll have some other things at the end of recommendations that have been really helpful over um, the course of my life, really, uh, when it comes to this topic of prayer. You can look at that at the end. But I wanted to say from the beginning uh, things that I've really gleaned and have been really impactful on me. Okay, so when you think about a prayer seminar, I don't know about you, but uh, that doesn't oftentimes sound real exciting to me, if you're anything like me. And I think the reason why is because when you think about coming to something on prayer... Most of the time, we expect to leave feeling guilty about our prayer life, and more guilty than we, when we walked in the door, or we leave, or even as we're just talking through this, maybe even when you hear the word, you're already beating yourself up because you don't feel like your prayer life is what it should be. And if we don't do that, we don't beat ourselves up and feel guilty, then maybe we leave here in the application when we think about seminars like this on a spiritual discipline like prayer is to like, oh no, I've got to, I've got to get it together. I've got to be more disciplined. I've got to come up with some 
program. And I, me and my roommate are going to get up at four every morning and we're going to start praying. And you start automatically with this huge list. And I don't know about you, that scares me to death. That seems really burdensome to me. That does not seem like freedom. Uh, that does not seem like fun at all. Okay? Um, maybe you're different than me. Uh, but here's what I want you to so, or the application is I've got to be more disciplined. And I want you to know right from the get-go this morning and at the beginning of the week, that is not what I hope this week is for you. My hope through this seminar is that you realize is that the person teaching this seminar uh, is someone who struggles to pray. Someone, I'm not coming as an expert, and if you're expecting an expert to talk to you about prayer, uh, you're in the wrong place. This is coming from someone uh, who doesn't necessarily do this well. And so I really want us, maybe you do, and that's awesome, okay? That's good. But I would really like us to approach this this week as fellow strugglers, okay? Um, and, and, and then also in the front end, I think as I've thought more about this and read more about this, uh, I think one of the problems comes at, at, at when we think about prayer is we tend to think about prayer as this abstract thing. And it's really easy for us if we forget Jesus and the gospel. You know what I'm saying? We think about like prayer, we think about our life, and then we think it's just something that we've got to do and add on if we are a Christian. Uh, and when you do that, you forget the gospel, you forget Jesus, then you end up always coming back to, what am I missing in prayer? So it almost becomes like this secret uh, silver bullet that if we can just find it, then we will be good at prayer. And that's why I think that, I don't, if you're like me, I'm often undone by these war stories about these great prayers. You know what I'm talking about? There's this old uh, story about Martin Luther. Um, and it's not a true story, or it's never been um, uh, talked about that way. It's more of a fictitious story. Uh, apocryphal story, and someone asked Martin Luther once, uh, one evening, what he had to do the next day, and his reply was this, work, work from early until late, in fact, I have so much work to do that I need to spend the first hour of the day in prayer. Not the first hour, the first three hours, he says, in prayer. I don't know about you, but when I hear stories like that, I get depressed. Uh, maybe you've heard stories about people praying all through the night or getting up really early in the morning and praying. I had a guy in college, and there's lots wrong with this story, uh, but a guy, a friend in college, um, wasn't a close friend, but he was on my hall my freshman year. And he fasted and prayed for revival on our campus for 40 days. He did a juice fast. And he used to come in and tell me about this. And uh, that's not good, by the way, if you read what the Pharisees say about 
prayer and fasting. Um, but maybe you hear stories like that and you're depressed. Why are you? Why does that kind of discourage you? Again, those are good things. Maybe you you do that well. But I would say most of us are not like that. At least the people that I talk to regularly, the students on my campus, would say that they're not like that, that prayer is something that they struggle with. And so to prove that we're all sinners and that we're all naturally uh, not great at prayer, let me read a real quote. And this is in your outline and you can follow along with me uh, throughout the week. Let me read a real quote to you from Martin Luther, and I have the reference cited for you there. This was written at the busiest time of Luther's life to his friend, Philip Melanchthon. Listen to what he says. You extol me so much. Your high opinion of me shames and tortures me, since, unfortunately, I sit here like a fool, and hardened in leisure, pray little, I do not sigh for the church of God. In short, I should be ardent in spirit, but I'm ardent in the flesh, in lust, in laziness, in leisure, in sleepiness. Already eight days have passed in which I have written nothing, in which I have not prayed or studied. This is partly because of the temptation of the flesh and partly because I'm tortured by other burdens. I don't know about you, but if I'm honest, uh, that pretty much summarizes me uh, as I think about this topic of prayer. And what I want you to see is even a man like Martin Luther, okay, he got the Reformation in some senses going, right? Was a real man a real sinner who struggled in his prayer life. And I just want to start that way uh, because I want you to just kind of take a deep breath uh, and realize that uh, it's okay to struggle with prayer. And that I want us to come to this topic kind of together uh, as people uh, who struggle with prayer. And we'll talk about why that is here in a second. Here's where I'm going. Really kind of two big bullet points or an outline, if you will, as you think about this week. Really the first half, and I would say probably, you know, I've never done this seminar, but I'm even going to say based on what I've got, the first three-fourths of the seminar, so the first 75% of what we're going to talk about this week is not techniques, how to be more disciplined, uh, some plan for you to enact. Now, I'm not saying those things aren't important, okay? Don't hear me say that. But the first 75% of the week will not be that. The first 75% of the week is going to be, hopefully, by the grace of God, Jesus being set before us through His Word. God the Father. That's how Jesus teaches us to pray. Our Father. What does it mean that God is Father? How does the Holy Spirit help us in our weakness? How does Jesus come uh, and 
mediate for us so that we pray in Jesus' name? How do all of those things about God and who Jesus is and how much Jesus loves us, how do they impact prayer? That's what we're going to spend the first half or more talking about. Because here's what I believe. That prayer is simply and is simply articulating the beauties and the wonders of the grace of Jesus. And so when Jesus kind of it becomes beautiful to us, prayer is just a natural outpouring of that. Okay, so what I want to do is, in a sense, simplify prayer for you. Let's don't get caught up in praying the right thing and saying the right thing. Let's just get into who Jesus says that we are and what he has done for us. And out of that, naturally flows prayer. We're going to see that uh, as we look at some passages in the Bible. Second thing, though, the big outline, is we're going to talk practically. Because that's very important. And so we're going to leave here, hopefully, with some very practical things that you can take that would be helpful for you in your prayer life and as you meet with Jesus through the Word. Okay? That's really, that, that's the roadmap. And, um, we got a lot to cover uh, to get there, but that's where we're headed. Also, you know, that I want this to be interactive. And what I mean by that is like, I'm going to ask you to maybe help me read a passage or I'm going to ask some questions and I'd love for you to give me some feedback uh, as I ask those questions. And so, the first thing, uh, question, and you see it on your outline, is the difficulty of prayer. So, why, why is prayer difficult for you? Why do you think it's difficult? And just, and you can, there's no right or wrong answer, just give me some feedback on why do you think prayer can be hard, or at least to kind of consistently uh, do it. Maybe you have seasons of uh, prayer, okay? Um, I know for me, it's always, like, I know what I'm feeling internally, and I have an idea of what I want to articulate, but the problem is, I guess I can't find necessarily the right words to articulate how I feel. Okay, perfect, good. I guess sometimes I have difficulty praying because I'm confused as to the actual effects of prayer. Good. Yeah, sort of what you said, but not hearing anything back. You're you're talking, you're thinking, and there's not a direction to get back. <laughs> okay, right. Others uh, got anything that makes it difficult? I mean, for me, it um, also has to do with not being able to distinguish necessarily who's talking. For example, I don't know if what I'm asking for is the right thing, or I don't know if my motivations are pure for asking it. And, if I think that I'm receiving revelation, I don't know if that's my own mind just working through things or if that's his voice. I guess sometimes I have a hard time gauging in that prayer time what is good and what is true and what is desirable. But in that, in those interactions. Okay, good. Here, no, but notice already, okay, comments, the focus is on what? Focus is on technique. Saying, oh, you see what I'm saying? Okay, that's where we go when we think of prayer. So I'm going to try to shift that a little bit. 
So when you think beyond that, a little deeper into who you are as a human being, a sinful human being, the Bible says, why is prayer difficult? So take it one step deeper. Go, go in the back and come up here. I'm often convinced I don't need it. Good. Often convinced that I don't need it. Oftentimes, you think about it, when things are, that's why when people, when things go bad, that's when people often pray. When things are going good and you're rocking and rolling, you're like, I got this. You're, that, that's when oftentimes we fail to pray because we become confident in ourselves. We think we have the ability, uh, to care, uh, for ourselves in a way. And so, uh, there's a great illustration. This is going to, it's a little bit dated, but I think it's an incredible illustration. It's a 1994 true story. Some of you, if you were not born then, please do not tell me that. <laughs> uh, it was in London, England, but it's a story about a 63-year-old accountant uh, who paid the ultimate price for his short-sightedness. He, was, he had a bladder uh, infection. There was something wrong with his bladder, and he needed surgery, but he hated to go to the doctor. Absolutely hated it. Uh, and so, he did the unthinkable. One news agency reported, uh, he did what he should have depended upon someone else to do for him. He performed surgery on himself. And leaning on his own self-sufficiency, he, he, he performs this bladder surgery on himself. He gets an infection from his own operation and tragically dies a few weeks later. Now listen, that, that is a tragic story. But many of us are dying spiritually because we are trying to perform operations on our own spiritual selves. And because of our self-sufficiency, we are paying the price. So that's definitely one reason. Good. What any other reason that you think about your own heart that you often don't pray? Okay. Matthew. I think if you come to prayer with a sense of shame, like, oh man, I haven't been praying in months, like I can't do this, or I don't know. It's almost about performance again. Except the other side of that. Absolutely. We make it. By the way, another book I'm really high on, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness by Tim Keller. If you have not read that, that's like a once a semester read. You can read it in 20 minutes. That's a sidebar. Oftentimes, we are so self-focused, uh, right, and that we start just instantly feeling guilty uh, about... Our prayer life. For example, we feel guilty praying for ourselves and our own needs. And so when we start to do that, uh, it's so self-focused that when we quit praying uh, and wonder why God uh, seems to be distant, you know, that just kind of says, well, you know, I've blown it. And so kind of the guilt and shame just kind of makes us push that further and further out. Uh, of our life, but that's good. So a lot of times, um, our own self-absorption can keep us from praying or shame. Any other things you can think of? He already knows everything, so what's the point? Okay, we're going to talk about that. He already knows, so what's the point? 
The other thing uh, I think is maybe we struggle to believe that God is good. Uh, and then if, if we say that he's good, we at least say, well, I'm not sure he's good to me. Or wants to, or longs to be good for me. And so oftentimes prayer becomes a last resort rather than the first place that we can go. Or another thing is that we are actually deists at heart oftentimes. What I mean by that is we don't really believe that God's at work in the world. And instead we believe that it is all up to us. Okay, there's several other things we can say. But um, think about why prayer is difficult, not only in terms of technique and process and what you would say, but also in terms of who you are um, and let it drive you deeper into actually showing you your need. Secondly, the definition of prayer. And when we think about... um, the definition of prayer, I think I've got two points I want us to kind of think through. And the first one is this, is that prayer is a natural instinct. All the major religions, let's think about Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. Prayer is at the very heart of what it means to believe. Think about it. Muslims pray five times a day. Jewish Tradition, they have prayed three times a day. Christianity is filled with all sorts of tradition, common prayer and private prayer and public prayer or pastoral prayer. Um, but even but here's what I want us to see when we think about this natural instinct, is that even deliberately, non-religious people pray at times. Okay, think about that. Any crisis that gets in the world, think about 9-11, September 11. That led to people that I knew were not Christians saying things like, we really need to be praying for our country. Or we need to be praying for these families. We're getting some work done on our house uh, in Oxford, Mississippi. Uh, and this guy's done some work for us before. Uh, I would say in my interactions with him, he's a non-religious person know his heart, um, but just as I've talked to him about different things, and he's been in our home and those sorts of things, doing work for us, uh, I was texting him actually on the way down here and said, hey, when can you come and finish up some painting and do some things for our house, and he said, which was sad, but it's interesting, he said, you know, my dad passed away unexpectedly last week, and his next line was, please keep me in your prayers. Okay, so there, there's this instinct in human beings, no matter what you think about faith or God, there's this instinct in us to pray. There's been some studies done over the years in secularized countries, and it says very specifically, and get into the numbers, but uh, prayer continues to be practiced not only by those who have no religious preference, but even many who had no belief in God at all. In 2004, one study showed that 30% of atheists admitted to praying at times. And 
And that's actually been my experience on the campus in the last 11 years. For example, I have a student who would, uh, wouldn't say he's an atheist, more agnostic, believes there's some high, higher uh, power uh, in, in a sense. I'm having a conversation with him at the end of the semester, and we're talking about you know a lot of apologetic stuff, and we're going back and forth about uh, God and Christianity. And so, and my big thing is, you know, what what is Jesus come to do? What's Christianity about? Well, Jesus came to do something about our sin, right? And so, I always want to bring it back to that. Like we can we can think up here in the clouds all day long, and that's good. But let me bring it back to what Christianity is all about. And so, I ask him this question. I said, if you fell into heinous sin. If you did something that even in your mind would be unspeakable to you, whatever that is for you, what would you do? What would you fall back on? And I kid you not, you know what the first thing out of his mouth? He says, well, I'm not saying I don't pray. I still pray. So basically what he was saying is when the going gets tough and things start to unravel, his instinct is like, I need help. And he said, and then I asked him, who do you pray to? All that, those are normal questions. So, but I want you to see the instinct there. Now, does this mean that everyone prays? Of course not. But here's what I want us to see as we kind of lay this foundation. All human beings... According to Genesis 1, 26 and 27, are created in the image of God. Every human being that you've ever locked eyes with is an image bearer of God. And that means that we are designed, in a sense, to reflect God and made for a relationship with God. We have this sense, as being human beings, okay... That there is a creator, there's something bigger than us, and that we are the creature. That's an eight. That's why you get this, all these, this universal sense of prayer, no matter what you believe in. Listen, I love this quote by John Calvin, the Reformed theologian. Listen uh, to what he says there. I think that's on your handout as well. There is within the human mind... And indeed, by natural instinct and awareness of divinity, at some level in our souls, we know deep down that someone is higher and greater than we are. And prayer is seeking to respond and connect with that being. And for the Christian, we believe that is the God that has been revealed for us in the Bible. Second thing, as we work out what is prayer. B, the chief exercise of faith. And this is actually the thing that has changed my prayer life and the way I think about prayer. Prayer is the chief exercise of faith. Now let's work that out, okay? 
again, I kind of mentioned this at the beginning, but I think a lot of the confusion over prayer and our difficulty as we think about it uh, is we often speak of prayer as in an abstract way as one of the things that Christians must do. And when we think of it that way, your natural instinct in reaction to that is, how can I get better at this thing? How can I get better at prayer? And when we think about prayer on its own and not connecting it to the rest of what Christianity is about, the natural outworking of that is that we've got to focus focus on practical tips, reading the right books, having the right techniques, and then that's when you the focus becomes, and I'm not saying this is not important, okay? But I do think this is important because this is why prayer oftentimes really discourages us, okay? But, and, and when we think about it as a, in that way, as a thing that we must do and how we can improve, what we naturally do is we think of things like, I gotta get a prayer journal. I gotta get a prayer app on my phone. I've gotta try praying out loud. Or, uh, it's gotta be the first thing I do and I gotta get up really early in the morning. And we're gonna talk about those things at the end, but I guess here's my point, is that's not the heart of prayer. That's not the heart of what it means to connect with God. Because if it's about, and I'll ask you this question, If our prayer life is that, if the techniques and the tips are the things that hold it together, what does that make prayer like? If that's what holds prayer together, what does that make prayer feel like? A chore. A chore. What else? Any other comments that come together? If it's held together by techniques and tips and doing everything the right way, feels like homework. Let me say some other words. No freedom. No joy. No enjoyment of God. It could even tend towards like, this is like something magical. And if I say the right thing, then like if God's a genie in a bottle, He's going to show up and do the right thing When I say it just the right way or do it just the right way or pray, here's another one, for this amount of time. Well, my so-and-so prays for like 30 minutes an hour a day. I I feel like I can barely pray for five minutes without being distracted and wanting to move on for something. See what I'm saying? It just becomes like another way to beat the heck out of ourselves and another thing to make us feel guilty about oftentimes in the Christian life. There is something vital underneath all the pragmatics that I want you to get this week. That's really the main takeaway, I think, from this seminar, along with some helpful tips at the end. So what is prayer? Again, John Calvin, in his excellent chapter on prayer in the Institute, says this, that prayer is the chief exercise of faith. And think about that. Prayer is the chief exercise of faith. And so what that means is that prayer is one of the primary ways in which your faith expresses itself. 
So what does that mean about prayerlessness in our life then? The chief exercise of faith is prayer. What does it mean about not praying? Well, it demonstrates our lack of belief in God. Okay? So you think about the counter of that. And that... Um, and, and that's convicting to me, okay? Because what you start thinking about, in one sense then, if it's the chief exercise of faith, your prayer life is very revealing about you. And about me. It reveals who you really are. Okay, think about this. It reveals how immature you are spiritually. It reveals how hypocritical you are. It reveals your love for Jesus. And so, here's the bottom line. If you struggle with pride or thinking about how wonderful you are, just look at your prayer life. Just remember your prayer life. And I don't say that to lead you to despair. I say that to say... We need to learn how to pray. If it's the chief exercise of faith, here's another thing I want you to think about. Chief exercise of faith, what does the Bible say about human beings? Is faith natural for us or unnatural for us? Unnatural. Okay, this is helpful. And I hope that you find in an appropriate way some comfort here. Here's what I mean. The Bible says that faith is not natural for us. And so that means that we have a natural bent away from faith. Again, Jesus comes in and starts to change all that. But an outworking of that is that we're not naturally good at prayer. If the chief exercise of if prayer is the chief exercise of faith, what that also means, the Bible says, is that the world, the flesh, and the devil, do they want you to have faith? No. And so there's a spiritual war going on. And if they don't want you to have faith, according to our definition of prayer, that means they don't want you to what? Pray. And what I'm, I'm hoping you're seeing that there's a reason why uh, you're not the odd one out if you struggle with prayer. It's not your secret shame, which can often be a very crippling fear. It just simply means that you're a sinner naturally inclined away from faith. That's why we need Jesus so desperately. And why you're inclined away from prayer. But the good news is Jesus is a friend of sinners. And he comes near to us to help us to pray. That leads to the next point. The gospel and prayer. The third third uh, point in your outline. Again, I think we've got a couple of sub-points. So the Word of God, okay, hang with me. I'm hoping you're kind of working this logic out with me. If the chief exercise, if prayer is the chief exercise of faith, the question that we need to ask then is what's going to make us want to pray? 
Prayer is about faith. It's what we're learning. Where does faith come from? Well, the Bible says it comes from hearing the Word of God. Okay, we're going to talk about that. That's Romans chapter 10. You see that printed for you? But before we get there, there's two important things I want to say here. And this is very, very important. The Word of God for the Christian shapes our view of God. Our tendency, again, because of sin, is to make God into our own image, not to worship Him as He really is. And so it's not like when we pray, we're just like praying, to, if you're a Christian, to just whatever. No, the Bible very specifically tells us who God is and how He's revealed Himself. So the Word of God shapes the way we think about God Therefore, the way we shape and the way we pray. Hebrews 4, verse 12, God's Word is living and active. And so the way that we can have God active in our lives is through the Bible. The Bible is simply, and this is not a, as we're putting all this together, this is not the Bible seminar, okay? So I'm going to be quick here, but I think it's important. The Bible is not simply just about getting information about God. And this is hopefully helpful for some of your questions. The Bible is where we hear from God and also where we meet God. Secondly, and very importantly as we think about prayer, Romans chapter 10 verse 17. Huge verse. For lots of reasons. But it says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. Okay? And the message is heard through the word of Christ. Let me translate that. What is faith and prayer come from the gospel. Faith and prayer come from being caught up in Jesus, in what Jesus has done for you. That is what awakens faith in you and shapes your communion with God. And so, going back again, what do we need? Okay, when we think about prayer, we need to set Jesus before us day after day, week after week. And hopefully, if you've been around RUF and had experience with RUF, there's a reason why your campus minister gets up every week and says, this is what Jesus has done for you. Because we forget it. And we need to have Jesus set before us because that's what changes your heart and that is what changes everything for that matter. But particularly as it relates to our topic, it is what makes you burst uh, forth in prayer. The gospel fuels prayer. And when Jesus is set before us, prayer is an, archi uh, an articulation of the beauty of Jesus. Okay, with that in mind, let's look and see this in Scripture. So if you have a Bible or a phone, look with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Be 
Ephesians chapter 1. And as we, I want somebody, can I get two people to read? One person to read chapter 1, again, Ephesians 1, 1 through 14, and then 15 through 23. I get two readers, a girl and a guy, okay, and a girl. Read the first 14 verses. Okay, and then you, you can all stand up and you can read the second half. Follow along. Think about the way this is laid out. Okay? Because it's very important as we think about this idea of prayer. Okay? Can we get our first reader? For this reason, because I have heard your faith in the, in the Lord Jesus. Can you read the first 14? First, first, first 14 verses. so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, 
what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. That's amazing stuff. And I really think it has a ton to teach us about prayer. Look at verse 15. Two things here that this passage shows us. What's going to make us want to pray, but it also tells us what we should be praying for. Verse 15, again, to give you a little background on those first 14 verses in the original language of the New Testament, which is Greek, that is a run-on sentence. There's no punctuation. Verses 1 through 14. And so what's the point? Well, the point is, Paul is so excited about Jesus and what Jesus has done for him that he can't contain himself. He just goes on and on. It's like he can barely take a breath because of what Jesus has done and what it leads him to, verse 15 again, for this reason. And so here it is, big point. Prayer arises out of a heart that rejoices in how much we have in Christ. Being gripped by the gospel always precedes devotion in prayer. Let me say that again. Being gripped by the gospel and what Jesus has done always precedes devotion in prayer. That is the fuel. It reminds me of this illustration about the man who had to cut some trees down in his backyard. He lived within, in, up by his home backed up to a wooded area and he needed to cut down several trees and so he goes to uh, this place that you know, a small engine shop, they sell chainsaws and weed eaters, that kind of thing. And so he was looking for a chainsaw, and the man that's selling the chainsaw said, Listen, just save yourself a ton of time, get the chainsaw, uh, the top of the line, it will cut a hundred cords of wood in one day. That's what you need. So the man gets that and says, Of course. Goes home, works the rest of the day, only cuts two cords of wood. He's thinking, what's going on with this? This was supposed to get a hundred cords of wood. So he thought, maybe I haven't given it enough time. I'm going to get the benefit of the doubt here. I'm going to get up really, really early the next day. And I'm going to start cutting, and then we'll see where we're at. Gets up at 4 a.m., says I'm going to cut all the way that the sun goes down. And he does that. And at the end of the day, five cords of wood. Goes to, this is a jump. Takes it back to the chainsaw shop. Goes up to the man that sold it to him and said, listen, I don't get it. You said this cuts a hundred cords of wood. It's not. Here's what happened. 
And so the man takes it out of the box and, or the case and says, well, it looks fine. It looks good. And the man then proceeds, the dealer proceeds to start up the chainsaw to which the man replied, what's that noise? <laughs> See the point? He never started the chainsaw. <laughs> he was He was cutting the wood without the motor running. And so he did not tap in the point to the power of the chainsaw. Why do we fail to pray? Friends, it's not because you don't have the right techniques. Not because you don't have the right words. It's not because you're not disciplined enough. We fail to pray because we don't tap into the power of prayer. And the power of prayer is not techniques, but it is Jesus. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Seeing and savoring Jesus and the glories that we have in Him is the fuel for a vibrant and thriving prayer life. Are you praying without perceiving all that is yours in Jesus? If so, it either won't last very long or it will become your righteousness. Friends, notice, and I, I want this to be clear because I've been to lots of prayer seminars in the course of my life. The key to prayer is not gritting your teeth and trying to be more disciplined. The application on this first day of the prayer seminar is worship. Worship. Seeing and savoring the glories of Jesus. Because when Jesus becomes more beautiful to you than anything else in your life, prayer will be a natural outpouring of that. It will be bursting forth in your life and in the ministry that you're involved in. I'm actually going to stop right there um, and we'll pick up with B uh, tomorrow. And let me say this. Questions, uh, some of those nitty gritty theological questions that God is sovereign, why pray, or uh, you know, what do we make of, you know, Jesus says, ask whatever you wish and it'll be given to you, those kinds of things. Those are on the last four pages of your handout. I, I just decided to print off that so you can wrestle with those and actually have the answers to those kind of set before you so that you can read them and think about them and talk to your campus minister about them. Y'all have a great day. Thank you for coming to this seminar. I'll see you tomorrow. Keep your hand out. Have fun today.